0: a patron of entertainment landfill go to patreon.com landfill for details entertainment landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you thank you
1: hey everybody it's me the jaystrom and you're listening to entertainment landfill news I know what you are thinking. Why does Jason sound like TRS-80? It's because I uploading my subconscious into my computer, that's right. I will live forever and podcast until the end of time disembodied. Oh wait, is it upload my conscience or my subconscious? I got nothing. Psych I had you all fooled, this is really the regular TRS-80. So gullible McFly.
0: Presents Landfill News with your host, the J. Strom. Now here's your host, the J. Strom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Entertainment Landfill News. I'm your host, The J-Strom. Welcome to The Landfill. It's a place filled with film, television, pop culture, video games, all sorts of crap, land everywhere. And it smells delicious. It smells like nostalgia. Sweet, sweet. Oh, what what is it I'm thinking of? Oh, I'm getting a berry flavor. Could it be Frankenberry cereal? Mmm. Or some booberry. Ooh, what about... uh, Oh, Cap'n Crunchberries! Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a lovely summer. I am here with another episode of the show. I am here with lots of news, and uh, I'm excited to deliver it to you. And I'm excited this Friday the new Ghostbusters film comes out. Hey, are you guys all excited, huh? I know uh, when it was first announced, everybody was like, "I'm angry." Girls can't be Ghostbusters because, um, they're afraid of ghosts. Men, Strong men need to go in there and fight those ghosts. Guys, you can't fight ghosts, okay? You just pass through them, okay? You need a vacuum cleaner or something, like Luigi in Luigi's Mansion. That's the only way you can fight a ghost. Didn't you guys know that? And guess what? Who's better off with vacuum cleaners than men? That's right, women. Because they're cleaning all the time. Cleaning house. Oh, wait! Oh, my God! That didn't come out right. Oh, boy! I just walked into it. No, I'm kidding, you guys. I'm excited. Excited about the new Ghostbusters. I have a lot of trepidations about it, but none of those trepidations are female Ghostbusters. (laughs) But uh, anyway, I can't wait to see the film and talk about it. Hopefully, I can record my instant thoughts for the show with Steven and Bill. I don't know what Bill's up to. Hopefully, we can get him there. Uh, Steven, he will most likely be with me, so it'll be easy to shove a microphone in his face. I would also like to get my daughter's thoughts on Ghostbusters. I think she would really like that. But uh, right now, on the Rotten Tomatoes, you know, my favorite website for judging whether I want to see a film or not. I'm kidding. I don't care at all. If I want to see a film, I'm going to go see it. But... Ghostbusters is 75% fresh. That's right. 80 fresh reviews of people you have no idea who they are and you don't care about their opinions. And 26 rotten reviews of people you have no idea who they are and care nothing of their opinions. So that's good. Let's just go through a couple. Renee Rodriguez, who is actually a man with the Miami Herald, says... When Kristen Wiig quotes Tony Montana in Scarface before taking down a ghost with her blaster, say hello to my little friend. Her line reading is anemic, as if she were embarrassed, and you cringe right along with her. Wow. But Amy Nicholson of MTV says, a middle finger to the screaming bro babies. If girls can't be Ghostbusters, then here guys can't do anything okay um it sits in the middle wanting to blaze a new trail but haunted by the ghosts of its past that's from adam graham of the detroit news uh billy goody koontz i can't be his real name ghostbusters is a pretty good movie will it capture the public imagination like the first one probably not Okay, that's your... Is this an editorial review? Then shut up! Andrew o, O'Hare, O'Hare... I don't know how to say this guy's name. A goofy, free-floating romp with an anarchic spirit... Of its own, a fresh set of scares and laughs, you spelled laughs wrong, it's L-A-F-F-S, and moderate dose of girl power that is unlikely to seem confrontational to anyone beyond the most confirmed basement-dwelling Gamergate troll. (laughs) That was a good review, by the way. Uh, Justin Chang wrote, it proudly demonstrates that mediocrity, whether in the hunting of malevolent apparitions or the making of a mainstream comedy, is not and never has been an exclusively male pursuit. Oh, wow. Ghostbusters is back. It's not bad. Get used to it, says Steve Persall of Tampa Bay. And let's see, Blake Go- Gobel. Paul Feig's Ghostbusters is sturdy summer entertainment. At once a freaky comedy and an unexpectedly effective action film. Okay, here's another good one. Without memorable ghostly lore, there's the definite feel that there should be something more to Ghostbusters, but the four women and their dopey receptionists are enough to carry it over the line. Okay, sounds like a good review, I guess. It feels like a Ghostbusters movie. Lethal ghosts, dangerous equipment, and quirky personalities. Wonderfully reimagined escapism escapism did i just say escapism oh my god that's one of my pet peeves when people say escape instead of escape i can't believe it just did that i may have to shut the show down okay well the first thing i saw this morning you know i'm looking around on uh facebook stuff like that and i see someone post. they're not on my friends list they're a friend of a friend so technically, I can't comment on any of the post. Um, I can just observe it. And it, the person says, "Check out this review." Great! I was looking forward to this. Now I'm not going to see it. And I was like, "Wait, what?" And it was a review of the Ghostbusters by Richard Roper. And I was like, "Well, first of all, I haven't even read the review, but Richard Roper's a dope." I will never forget that he gave thumbs down when he was on at the movies with Roger Ebert to Wallace and Gromit Curse of the Were Rabbit. He gave it a thumbs down. You guys, that was a sign there that I will never care about this guy's opinion on anything because he gave a thumbs down to Wallace and Gromit. Think about that for a second. Gromit, think about Gromit is flying an airplane in there battling another dog. Oh, my God. Come on. That movie is awesome. And this asshole gave it a thumbs down. So, I was like, so, whoever this friend is of a friend is not going to see Ghostbusters based on this dipshit's review. There's something wrong with you if you decide, first of all, you're looking forward to the film, but you decide, oh, I can't see this now because this person doesn't like it, and they wrote a review. That's not a reason to see not see a film. If you want to see a film, go see it, regardless of what anyone else tells you. If you want to see it, go see it. If you don't enjoy the film, then okay, that's it. It's on you. You know, You wanted to see it, you saw it, you didn't like it. That's just the way it goes. Not all of us can go see movies that we love. We see turkeys from time to time. Well, I just had to see... Richard Roper's review, and at first I thought he was trolling us, and then he would come in in the last paragraph and say, just kidding, that's what you thought it was going to be, but guess what guys, I love it. No. Just listen to this. His first line of his review is, so bad, period. Ghostbusters is a horror from start to finish, and that's not me saying it legitimately scary. It's legitimately scary. More like I was horrified by what was transpiring on screen. How could so many talented, well-meaning artists who clearly loved and respected the original produce such a raggedy-looking, thuddingly, unfuddy, utterly unnecessary reboot? For months, controversy has swirled around the new Ghostbusters movie, the trailer was reportedly the most hated in YouTube history. Not, not really relevant. For, what's, for what that's worth, or not worth, it's not worth. Which led to some pundits saying that hate was rooted in sexism. Others said the fact that Leslie Jones' character wasn't a scientist, and seemed to have a role that called for her to play into stereotypes smacked of racism. Of course, people were voicing these opinions without having seen the entire movie. Well, I've seen it. And while I believe the concerns about racial stereotypes were overblown, Ghostbusters is one of the worst movies of the year for multiple reasons, including bad acting, uninspired directing, editing, cinematography, and music, cheesy special effects, forgettable villain in a terrible script i was just like jesus man he really didn't like Ghostbusters. oh my god i could go on and on but let's uh this guy okay i'm not i haven't seen the film so i i I doubt i could possibly hate it as much (laughs) as he did but let's just skip to the last paragraph From multiple visual references to the iconic logo to a new take on the catchy Ray Parker Jr. song by way of Huey Lewis theme song to the appearance of some familiar ghosts to aforementioned cameos, Ghostbusters keeps telling us, yes, we know we're revisiting a classic. Some things are better left alone one star. (laughs) That just cracks me up. He's 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 grumpy. Uh, Now, I could get into the Harry Knowles review of Ghostbusters, but it is so confusing. If you've ever read one of his reviews, it's so... I don't know. First, he has to start like this. I was 12 years old when I saw the original Ghostbusters. Who cares how old you are, dude? My generation saw the advent of HBO and cable television. But in those days, period... Wait, what? My generation saw the advent of HBO and cable television, but in those days. Period. That's the sentence. My generation saw the advent of HBO and cable television, but in those days. Do you think he meant back in those days, but he wrote but in those days and didn't edit this? Maybe that's... Ghostbusters' play rotation after theaters was super heavy, and for those with the film on VHS, like me... That original film became a movie filled with characters that a young lad such as myself latched onto. Bill Murray flirting with Ripley? Bob McKenzie scoring with Ripley instead of Bill Murray? All one needed to be possessed by a dog and your fondest dreams would come true? Just ask Channy Tatum. What? Is he referring to the Wachowski movie? Okay, I can't can't, okay one more one more paragraph and I swear I'll drop this, okay? The year before Ghostbusters came out, my mom bought me a silver colored Walkman. That was the year of Thriller just dominating. And Michael's phenomenal album hardly ever left my Walkman Ellipsis. Then Ellipsis Ghostbusters soundtrack hit. He doesn't say the Ghostbuster soundtrack hit. It's just Ghostbuster soundtrack hit, period. For me, having that music playing throughout 1984 and 1985, Ellipsis, it became my soundtrack. I practiced the Vinkman's kick-hop. My sense of humor and timing came from obsessively watching the movie over and over and over. Do you guys really think that he practiced Vinkman's kick-hop? It helped that my baby sis loved it, thinking how cool Sigourney Weaver was to have Bill Murray acting like Tex Avery's wolf around her. Okay, I can't do it anymore. Just stop. Stop. I guess my point is, consider the source, guys. When you just put a a review up on Facebook going, Well, I was going to watch it, guess I'm not now, because this person, I have no idea who they are and what agenda they have, didn't like it. It could be a Harry Knowles. It could be a Richard Roper. It could be someone you couldn't spend, uh, stand to spend five seconds with in real life. Just make up your own mind, people. That's the end of my statement. Thank you. Now, I have been playing Red Dead Redemption on Xbox One. It's backwards compatible, and yesterday I spent the whole day playing poker. <laughs> It was actually fun, but uh, I need to move on to other things. Uh, I need to finish Ratchet and Clank before No Man's Sky comes out in August. I'm really excited about that. Um, What are you guys playing, I wonder? I want some feedback. Send me some feedback at nimpodcasts at gmail.com or send me a voicemail. I would love to hear what you think of Ghostbusters. I want to have an episode just where I play Ghostbusters voicemail, so send that to me, okay? Because I'm very curious of uh, how people will handle this film. Now, I will say this about Ghostbusters. I love the first movie. I don't think it's perfect. You know, people always go, well, not a perfect film. I've never thought Ghostbusters was perfect. I always thought it, it shifted to the third act way too quickly, and I always thought that everything gets uh, wrapped up nice and tidy way too fast. The Ghostbusters show up in this big, gigantic uh, build-up to the Dana's building, you know, And, you know, the whole town, the whole city of New York is cheering them on. And then they spend a sequence just climbing stairs and they're all out of breath. That's like the oldest joke in the book. Like, "Uh, how many more floors, you guys? And they're just climbing all these stairs all the way to the top. Uh, It's like, that's, that's what you guys came up with. It doesn't seem very inventive or hilarious to me. But, you know, again, I enjoy the film. But when you watch a film a couple of dozen times, hundreds of times, I don't know how many times I've seen Ghostbusters. If you count all the times it's been on TV and you're just like, hey, I'm going to watch the rest of this, um, then it's in the hundreds, certainly. And that is just weak sauce, the way they're climbing stairs. And then they face, you know, Gozer the Gozerian or whatever. And then, you know... That part is funny and stay, Mar- stay puffed. Marshmallow Man's funny, but it gets wrapped up really fast, guys. I don't know. I won't even talk about Ghostbusters 2. But anyway, let's get into the news. First off, Helen Mirren won't be driving in the Fast and Furious 8. Aren't you guys disappointed that she doesn't have her own uh, race car to drive? I wanted to be driving, but unfortunately, I'm not. The actress told Entertainment Weekly, which had no other stories to go with this week, humorously adding that maybe she'll get to drive in the series' 12th installment. Mirren went on to note that she's likely one of only one of the only people on the Fast Eight set who actually knows how to shift, jokingly saying, "I doubt the Rock knows." Before adding, "I know, I know how to double D clutch." The actress began fil- begins filming for Fast 8 this week and admitted that she is very nervous, noting that she'll be the newbie on set alongside cast members who've been part of the Fast and the Furious franchise for so long. I've only got one day in. I can't wait to meet Paul Walker. Oh, oh man. Did no one, did no one tell her? Oh man, that's going to be awkward. Wow. Fast and the Furious 8 opens in theaters on April 14th, 2017, so you guys have that to look forward to. Oh wait, they always have to tag this in on the end before their story ends. In addition to Mira in the film, will also star another series newcomer, Charlize Theron, who plays a Hannibal Lecter-like villain named Cypher. So she's a cannibal? Is that what you're saying? Okay, I won't even read the comment section because it's very disgusting and these people are losers. And hey, there's IGN instant playing a video for me. Thank you, IGN assholes. Okay, Warner Brothers hit with ruling for buying positive YouTube coverage. That's right. Tens of thousands of dollars change hands, you guys. Warner Brothers has settled a Federal Trade Commission charge that it did not adequately disclose money paid to YouTubers for positive Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor coverage. The FTC says that Warner Brothers paid online influencers, including PewDiePie, from hundreds to ten thousands of dollars to po- to post positive videos on YouTube and social media. Sponsors' videos during the campaign were viewed by over 5.5 million people. And Warner Brothers apparently told the influencers how to promote the game and not to disclose any bugs or glitches. Warner Brothers is now barred from not adequately disclosing such information in the future. The FTC complaint says that although disclosures were in the description boxes of videos, they were only visible if users clicked the show more button. In addition, in some cases, the influencers themselves failed to disclose they had been paid to promote the game, instead only stating they had received early access. It's been a tough few weeks for the YouTube com- community after it emerged YouTubers, someone I can't pronounce, and Pro Syndicate were em- implicated in a betting scandal okay that's a story for another time but anyway um pay me to uh, talk about shadow of mortar i actually heard it was a good game so you didn't even need to do that stupid jerks okay now i know everyone's been hearing out pokemon go pokemon go this pokemon go that you may not think anything you may be sick of hearing about it or you may be playing it The first thing we heard is some person found a dead body playing the game because you go to remote areas to find the Pokemon on your map. But listen to this story. Cops credit Pokemon Go players with the arrest of a man wanted for attempted murder. That's right. This coming to you from Polygon. Police in Fullerton, California say two men strolling a park one day, strolling in a park one day, playing Pokemon Go and it helped them catch a man wanted for attempted murder. Playing Pokemon Go itself isn't literally what put the suspect to custody. Rather, Seth Ortega's game froze as he was playing, and when he looked up, he saw something alarming. Ortega told police that he saw a man carrying a red plastic rose approach a woman and her three children, who quickly ran away. Ortega and his friend, Javier then watched the man approach another woman and her two children actually touching one of them on the leg at this soak, which is Javier's last name and Ortega ran to the man and surrounded him until police called to the scene by the first mother arrived and arrested him after originally booking the suspect on a charge of child annoyance. Police discovered he had an outstanding warrant in California on a charge of attempted murder. Authorities say he will be extradited there to face that charge. And then, you know, hey, Pokemon Go, his game froze. That's how he saw this. So he looked up from his game to see real the real world existing. But we, Pokemon Go has made public safety agencies somewhat wary. In the weeks since it launched in the U.S. and became a national pop culture phenomenon... In Saint Louis, one suburban police force says a string of armed robberies was carried out by assailants exploiting the game and players' inattentiveness to their surroundings. And others, police have reported minor accidents and misunderstood encounters involved <laughs> involving Pokemon Go players wandering about. Yeah, there's people. They, you got to look up. You're gonna fall in a manhole or something, dude. Alright, speaking of Pokemon Go, this is my last story on this. By the way, it doesn't work on my phone because it has an Intel processor and it's not compatible. So I uh, will not be falling in a manhole. Report, Legendary Pictures is in negotiations with Nintendo for a Pokemon Go movie. Pokemon Go launched in Australia, New Zealand, and the United States one week ago and since then has seen an enormous amount of people playing the game, leaning to an unprecedented obsession for a mobile game the game has seen Nintendo's value increase by $7.5 billion since launch. Holy crap! And it was only a matter of time before Hollywood tried to cash in on the new cool thing. According to a report from Deadline, Legendary Pictures is in negotiations with Nintendo to produce a Pokemon Go movie. Unlike previous animated films that Game Freak's long-running game have inspired, This would be a live-action movie and deal more specifically with the mobile title. Little details are known about the project that's still in early stages, but Polygon has reached out to both Nintendo and Legendary for comment. Legendary, the studio behind the recent Warcraft film, has reportedly been in talks for a while with Nintendo to secure the rights to the Pocket Monster franchise, but things have picked up tenfold since the release of the game. Early rumors suggested that Max Landis would be on board to pen the script for the film, but there hasn't been any confirmation that that's the case. So basically, we have nothing to report at this time. Here's another story, guys Fox is offering subscribers the option to live stream all prime time programming. This I find interesting if I watched a lot of Fox stuff, but I have Hulu, so. That's where I'm like, if you have Hulu, there's Fox shows on there, but let's see what they have to say. Fox has become the first broadcast network to offer all of its paying subscribers in the United States the option to live stream primetime programming every night of the week. Oh, I see. So basically the channel is on right now live on your TV, but you can also watch it live on your computer. Subscribers will have the option to either use Fox's main website as a portal for streaming, or they can use a variety of mobile devices, dongles, and set-top boxes, including iPads, Apple TV, Google Chromecast, and Kindle Fire. As of right now, subscribers will only have the opportunity to live stream summer programming, including Fox lineup of reality shows, Wayward Pines, and special events like the Teen Choice Awards. Ooh, goody! As the 2016-17 season kicks, kicks off this fall, however. Subscribers will be able to live stream all of the returning and new shows headed to the network. Fox also confirmed that live sports programming would be ma- available. Make it one of the biggest broadcast networks to offer live streaming of the NFL MLB games. ESPN also offers live streaming options for its subscribers and is working toward a deal with Hulu to bring live streaming of different leagues to a new audience. League also has their own live streaming options, offering subscribers the chance to subscribe to a league pass or a specific team in order to catch all games. That's pretty cool. I mean, we're coming at a time that uh, pretty soon all live TV—you know, maybe Fox, NBC, CBS, ABC—they'll all be live. You just watch it on your phone or something. Very interesting. Now guys, I'm really excited about this. That No Man's Sky, as I mentioned before, comes out in August. I believe what is it? I'm August 9th, and it's going to be on the PS4, and it's a neat space game and stuff. I'm just, you know, a lot of people aren't sure what exactly it's going to be. I do know it's a gigantic universe, but it got delayed. It was supposed to come out at the beginning of July, and it got pushed to August, and a lot of people are bummed out. I was going to play it all summer, man. What happened? Well, now you can play in August, but, uh, this story hit and now we know it's okay. No man's sky is finally finished. Woo. Development on no man's sky has finished. Hello games founder, Sean Murray confirmed in a tweet that the game, which hits PlayStation four and windows PC on August 9th has finally gone gold. It happened. He wrote no man's sky just went gold. I'm so incredibly proud of this tiny team. Four years of emotions. The announcement was anticipated by a cryptic tweet in which Murray claimed that things were happening. Although some speculated that he was teasing a possible update on No Man's Sky in virtual reality, or even further delay, ooh, that would have sucked, seeing the disc in Murray's hands confirm that the game's long journey to print has ended. No Man's Sky was originally set to launch on June 21st. Oh, okay. June, the end of June, not the beginning of July, but still. But Hello Games delayed the adventure game at the end of May. It was a move that found Murray on the receiving end of death threats. Yes, I believe I recovered that on the show. Since it was first announced in 2013, No Man's Sky has been highly anticipated by those intrigued by its procedurally generated universe. The game sees players traveling through space, fighting various life forms and exploring the farthest corners of the galaxy. I am still excited. I'm ready. My body is ready. I can't wait to see this. I am a huge fan of the TV show Community. I love the show, Dan Harmon show. Um, it ended on season six. Remember it streamed on Yahoo, the final season, which was cool. I, I didn't mind. I just wanted to see a final season. But um, the whole mantra of community is six seasons in a movie. And people, as soon as the season ended, people asked about, will there be a movie? Will there be a movie? And he said, at this time, there's no plans for it. So you got to let it gestate for a while. You can't just dive in, you know. So this recently came out. Community movie will happen, series creator Dan Harmon declares. Get excited, human beings! Dan Harmon is still looking to fulfill Community's six seasons in a movie prophecy. In a recent interview on Larry King Now, uh, where can I watch that? The creator of the cult sitcom told the host that the NBC-turned Yahoo Screen series would make a great movie. Adding, "It will happen." He hesitated, however, to lay out a specific time frame for the theatrical follow-up. If I pull out a typewriter right now and write a community movie just for my own heart and mind, then I have to go through the heartbreak and agony of finding out which of the people are going to show up to make it, Harmon said. On the other hand, if I wait for everybody to line up and say, we're all out of work and ready to go to do a community movie, then I guess that's a bad idea too. Harmon's uncertainty comes at the most of its... St- comes as most of its stars are tied to other small screen projects, including Joel McHale. He's on the CBS show The Great Indoors. Jillian Jacobs on Netflix's Love, which I love, by the way. I like that show. Danny Poody on NBC's Powerless. Donald Glover on FX's Atlanta. And Yvette Nicole Brown on CBS show The Odd Couple. And don't forget about Ken Jeong on ABC's Dr. Ken. John Oliver on HBO's Last Week Tonight. Okay, settle down. He's barely in community. Jonathan Banks is now on Better Call Saul. He wasn't even in the final season. He was in one season. And Keith David is on the own channels, Greenleaf. Okay, you guys are reaching here. <laughs> At Last summer, San Diego Comic-Con, he told TV Line that the plan was to wait a little bit. Let the cast explore their awesome careers. And then we'll get together for an incredible movie. So, okay, basically, there's nothing here to report, but we do know that one day, could be five years from now, there will be a community movie, and that makes me happy. I'll be ready to watch it, if I'm still alive, if a meteor hasn't hit the planet or anything. Okay, guys, Suicide Squad director David Ayer explains Batman's freaking scary role. Now, we haven't talked for a while about Suicide Squad. It comes out just this August. It's almost time for Suicide Squad, guys. As you've seen in the trailers, Ben Affleck's Batman makes an appearance in Suicide Squad, which makes sense given that A, it's a DC Comics movie, and B, it features the Joker, you can't exactly have a movie starring Batman's arch nemesis without including Batman himself. Why did I say nemesis like that? It's nemesis. Arch-nemesis. But exactly how does the Dark Knight fit into the David Ayer super-villain team-up? Ayer told Collider that he basically begged Warner Brothers to let him use Affleck's Batman in Suicide Squad. Though he cautions against the rumors that have been floating around about how the Dark Knight fits into the plot which he describes as an incredibly complex story with flashbacks and different convergent storylines. As to how Affleck's role in Suicide Squad differs from his part in Batman v. Superman Dawn of Justice, Air explains that it's a matter of perspective. All the Batman movies have been from Batman's point of view. He's the good guy. He's the hero of his own movie in all of his movies we've seen. If you look at Bruce Wayne, what Bruce Wayne has done in creating a Batman persona, his idea was to terrorize criminals. It's sort of a psychological warfare against criminals. This wraith that comes in the night and attacks and pulls criminals from society. For the first time, we're seeing Batman from the point of view of criminals, and he's freaking scary. Zack Snyder's version of Batman was already a bit aggro, so I can't even imagine how intense he must look to the villains in Suicide Squad. Or maybe he just comes off more like a dad. He's not mad, he's just disappointed. Suicide hits theaters on August 5th <laughs> Shut up they try to be see what they did there. They try to be clever all of a sudden. I do want to tease this uh, this Friday. what is today? The 13th in mere two days on the 15th Friday the 15th, we are in July. a new Netflix series launches Stranger things if you're into 80s nostalgia. I think you might dig this. This is a show. I'm not sure what it's about, but I do know this. It's like a salute to the works of Spielberg, Stephen King, and John Carpenter, and it has a life of its own. Alan Seppenwall praised it, and he says it doesn't drown in the nostalgia, and uh, we should check it out. And I already knew that anyway, Alan Seppenwall, but I am pleased to see that you like it. So guys, be sure and check out Stranger Things. I'm going to binge watch the shit out of that. This weekend. (laughs) Excuse my language. Okay, guys, here's some exciting TV news. Fox Eyes' new X Men TV series to replace scrapped Hellfire. As FX began moving forward with Noah Hawley's X Men Universe TV series Legion, many wondered what happened to Fox's own project based on the Hellfire Club. That series has apparently cooled. While Burn notice vet Matt Nix and Brian Singer develop a new X-Men series for Fox with close, cloth <laughs> I can't talk, with close ties to an underground mutant group. Per Variety, the as-yet untitled series with a with a pilot commitment. Uh, there's a typo here. It says uh, the as-of-yet untitled series with a put pilot commitment. Is it a full pilot commitment? What is a put pilot? Follows two human parents who discover their children as mutants, forcing them to run from a hostile government and join with an underground network of mutants to survive. Nix will write the series, an executive producer with Brian Singer, Lauren Shuler Donner, and Simon Kingberg, Marvel's Jeff Loeb, and Jim Chory. Fox says that developing a Marvel property has been a top priority for the network, and we are so pleased with how Matt Nix has led us into this thrilling universe. There's a comic book adventure, emotional and complicated relationships, and a rich existing mythology from which to draw. With the brilliant production crew behind this project, it is the makings of a big, fun, and exciting new series. Jeff Loeb says that Marvel television is thrilled to be co-producing with 20th Century Fox, Let me kiss kiss some ass here. Matt's a huge fan of the X-Men and his take on the X-Men universe with its rich characters and high-stakes adventure is exactly what the show we want on Fox. It's a great team of creative producers who are making something entirely unique. Uh, Okay. And it says here, the underground network of mutants calls to mind the Morlocks of X-Men lore. But what other superpower details might shake out as we approach Marvel's... Presence at Comic Con. I don't know. I'm all for an X Men TV series. The one thing about the X Men films that kind of drives me crazy is it's always the fate of the planet, basically. Like the most recent one, the, the entire planet was threatened. The X Men comics, if they might have been building towards the end of the season, the end of the year, for a big climactic uh, end of a storyline. But there were day-to-day stories, stuff that didn't involve um, the fate of everything. You had little side stories and cool little adventures. And I'd love to see a series where the X-Men get to return home at the end of the episode, kind of chill and have a barbecue, and then wake up the next day, go to the danger room. Then they go on an adventure, then they come home again, you know? They live in a place. They don't have to always blow up the Xavier's Mansion or anything. Okay, speaking of comic books, what do you guys think about a Big Trouble in Little China Escape from New York mashup comic? Imagine your Jack Burton driving your big truck, the Porkchop Express, Around fighting kung fu villains, and then suddenly you find yourself in the crime ridden dystopian future of 1997, in which the city of Manhattan is a high security prison. And then there's the man there in that future who looks just like you, except with an eye patch, and his name is Snake Pliskin. That's the strange reality we find ourselves in the announcement of Big Trouble in Little China Escape from New York, a crossover comic coming soon from Boom Studios, written by Greg Pak, with art by Daniel Bayless. Since both John Carpenter-directed Kurt Russell movies have already been, had ongoing comics at Boom, the crossover was probably inevitable. But personally, I'm still hoping to see more movies get involved in the story. How exciting would it be if a third Kurt Russell suddenly flies in on a helicopter in the fourth issue and announces that any of them could be the thing. And to find out who it is, they'll have to steal some sunglasses from Roddy Rowdy Piper. Sorry my imagination is running with me. This is the writer saying it's not me. It's just a case. <laughs> but I am knowing out there's going to be plenty of excitement in Big Trouble in Little China Escape from New York. This news comes to us via Entertainment Weekly. The announcement about the crossover comic follows the news that Boom Studios is publishing two non-fiction books this year by Tara Bennett and Paul Terry to mark the 30th anniversary of Big Trouble in Little China. The first, the official making of Big Big Trouble in Little China, arrives in stores in August, while the second, The Art of Big Trouble in Little China, is out in November. I'm going to pick those up. That's cool. Big Trouble in Little China stuff, man. Awesome. Oh, crap. Guys, I have run out of stories. That is it. With stories. Hopefully you're all going to see Ghostbusters. Let's see what else is coming out. Uh, Star Trek Beyond doesn't have any reviews yet. Lights Out. Oh, that's a creepy movie. It's 100% because it's got eight fresh reviews. I don't want to see that. Screw those scary movies. Lights Out is a well-written and well-acted dysfunctional family drama that works. Oh, works even absent the supernatural elements that eventually take center stage. Lights Out does for fear of the dark what Halloween did for slashers. Dude, I don't want to be afraid of the dark, man. So, no. And no, I'm not going to see this. Screw you. (laughs) But uh, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, I'm excited for Ghostbusters. I really want to record our thoughts after we see Ghostbusters. Um, I'm excited about Stranger Things on Netflix, and uh, like I said, I'm uh, I'm really excited for No Man's Sky. But uh, until next time, guys, why don't you get out there play some video games? binge watch something, go see some movies, and then we'll come back here and talk about it. Guys, thank you so much. Don't forget to go to nimpodcast.blogspot.com. Send me an email or voicemail at at nimpodcast.gmail.com. And I'll see you next time. Woohoo!
1: You have just listened to the raving of a madman. This guy needs 50 cc's of fruit punch Kool-Aid stat. Just so you know. I hate that they tried to make us believe that Janine and Louis Tully would be a couple in Ghostbusters 2. After all, in the original Ghostbusters, it was Egan and Janine that had all of the chemistry. I mean, what the hell? Did Egan just decide that he and Janine should keep it professional? I call bullshit. That's a big Twinkie.
0: Now this is podcasting.